0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz.
1: And welcome back, fellow American Patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready once again for this brand new year to fight for the issues that matter in the way they matter at the time they matter. Daniel Horwitz, your only source of truly independent conservative news, views, vision, advocacy movement. We try to do it all here at CR Podcast. Welcome, welcome back. And uh, I hope you guys missed me as much as I missed you. It has been really hard. I've been like a fish out of the water for two and a half weeks, uh, chomping at the bit to get back here. Because frankly, as a lot of you have seen, there's nobody else doing this. As we roll into 2024, it is Tuesday morning. It's still very quiet. A lot of my colleagues are still off. On the surface, it's a very quiet news cycle, but it's really not. That's only if you're a reactionary. So, you know, we generate content based on our counterparts on the left, and they say things, and we say things back to them. So it's been quiet for two weeks over Christmas, New Year's, so there's not much going on. But in fact, in the real world, the border invasion, the crime the green energy destruction of our quality of life, the inflation, the debt, the spending, the funding of Hamas, the Hamas insurrection around the country, shutting down roads to airports, this growing crime wave for 2024. Obviously, we have a ton of issues going on all over the place in the world of action, not reaction. The time is now. Time is something we don't have and we can't squander it. So I'm back today. And we got a lot to go over. It's hard to really review everything from two, two and a half weeks. But on the other hand, not not much has changed. It's the same issues. It's a matter of our commitment to fighting in the way it matters at the time it matters. And that's my commitment to you for 2024. We're gonna do all of it. Whether it's primaries, where whether it's Congress, whether it's the state legislative sessions, whether it's things we can do in our own community, good tips for our own security, safety, gun training. We'll do a little bit more of that this year. It's always going to be oriented towards useful information. And that's why I need you guys to give us a five-star rating to kick off the year on iTunes, uh, to surge us past the empty calories, the empty, empty calories. Most other shows you're going to hear about, when you say 2024, it invokes one thing. And that is one date, November 5th, 2024. It's all about the general election. 2024 is a presidential year. That's not what it is. The time is not November 5th. Now, you might think I'm about to say the time is really January 15th. The Iowa caucus, which will likely, directly or indirectly, decide whether this primary becomes a race or not, and we have a choice rather than an echo, And the same old, same old, and make no mistake, this is no different than every other election cycle with every single establishment figure supporting Donald Trump, just like they did Romney and Bush and, you know, McCain. But it's not even that. It's right now, January 2nd. It's right this minute. We have so many issues we're confronted with. The persecution, the anarcho-tyranny, like I said, the green energy, the border invasion. The border invasion is the most evident And it's really a winning issue. Republicans have Congress. They have the House. We have budget deadlines. January 19th and February 2nd. We'll talk about that. We do have the Iowa caucus. And we have, coinciding with this, most red states are convening either this week or next week or sometime this month for their annual legislative session. And if we lined up all of those top issues I mentioned, culture, economy, security, again illegal immigration, and those leverage points of the federal budget and the state legislative sessions, there is so much we could accomplish. You know, Proverbs 10:5. An intelligent son gathers in the summer, whereas an embarrassing son sleeps soundly during the harvest. Sleeping during the harvest Now is when we have the federal budget deadline with GOP in control of the House. We have the legislative sessions in the red states where Republicans wield control over supermajority trifectas. And we have not just the presidential primary, but primaries up and down the ballot we've showcased towards the end of last year. Some examples of candidates running against terrible Republicans, incumbent Republicans, open seats. But I don't see a movement to focus on that. You know, I'm called, often called, the prophet of woe and lamentation. But ironically, or not really so ironically, if you understand what Jeremiah and, you know, lamentations is all about. I'm the one that offers the most robust forward-looking agenda and strategies. Hands down, I'll put my record up against anyone. Lamentations 3.22, well, it's all about doom and gloom, but not really. If you look up Lamentations 3.22, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Every morning is a new opportunity to do the right thing. Every morning, God gives us opportunities to do the right thing. And like I say, commensurate with how terrible things are, policy-wise, is how many opportunities we have, partially just because of the rubber band effect. The more radical the left is, the more, at least in the half of the country where people think more along the lines of, of our values, where we can get done What needs to get done. Because people are repulsed by it. And first and foremost is the border invasion. But before I talk about what is the agenda, and we'll start off with illegal immigration and where we go from there, and then I'll try to kind of get as many issues as we can, as many, um, an overview of what has happened when we were out and headed into the new year. But I first want to talk about what I don't want to talk about but everyone else will. 2024 for them will be basically this. Look at the polls. Trump's definitely going to win the primary and he's going to win 50 states in the general election. We just need to sit back, wait until the general election, November 5th, and Mr. Trump's going to save us. But then at the same time, we're going to focus on the persecution against him and they're going to lock him up, but somehow he'll be able to get elected. Um, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, but the Dems, look at the Dems my my dad recently said to me he's a typical baby baby boomer watches you know fox or newsmax and you know kind of what, what you see in conservative media maybe reads epic times some other publications and he turned to me over the weekend he said i'm sick of hearing about hunter biden and that's the thing these things are a dead end yes democrats are corrupt but the democrat policies are worse than their corruption Let me repeat that. Their policies that are continuing to succeed and destroy us are worse than their corruption. That's what needs to be staunched and confronted even more. They'll throw Hunter Biden under the bus. They'll give him 20 years. They don't care as long as the policies continue. So it's all going to be about Hunter Biden, about Trump. And meanwhile, we forget right now I mean, this minute we are sitting on legislative sessions. We're sitting on GOP control of the House with a budget deadline. January 19th, right around the corner. Oh, and of course they're out of session this week, too, because you know, three weeks is not enough vacation. And we have the primaries. And yes, that's presidential, where you, you know, nobody is perfect, but you could not get a greater contrast between The two individuals. And then, down the ballot, we all complain. We sleep through the harvest. Oh, it's terrible. Look at all these rhinos. Look at all these people who voted to reauthorize FISA. And look at the Senate Republicans that side more with the Democrats than they do even House Republicans who themselves are terrible. And then, it's literally, it's not like it's coming up. Right now is primary season. The primaries are early this year. They basically run from March through June, which means that if you want to buttress the chance of a challenger winning, that's right now. Right now. Find out in your area. If you're in a red state, red district, whether it's Senate, people like Roger Wicker in Mississippi running for re-election, whether it's House seats, is there someone you you could bolster? It's pathetic that we don't have a movement discussing any of this. Instead, it's all going to be about the vanity of tit-for-tat with the Dems and their corruption versus our corruption. Trump, Trump, Trump. General election. We can't wait. And it's not just because we can't wait that you can't have an invasion of twelve to 13,000 people a day going unchecked. Okay, it's not just that. It's that if you cannot succeed in implementing our stated agenda with the power you already have, a.k.a. control of the budget in the House and then the trifectas in all the state legislative sessions, even in the best-case scenario that you somehow win in November, which there's no evidence they will, what what are you going to do with it? The time is now to use your control of the House now. And with that, let's segue into the first issue. So I don't need to tell you about the border invasion. Okay, You got twelve to 13,000 illegals a day. That's the ones seen. It's really more than that. That's an annualized pace of over 4 million a year. You cannot begin to imagine the way they're transforming America, not just the blue areas. And it can't go on, not just the fact that it needs to be stopped, but we need to, just the sheer amount we've had the last few years, even if illegal immigration went down to zero tomorrow, we're done with if we don't get rid of them. So in a perfect world, we would have the entire conservative media, from Fox to Newsmax to everything on down my colleagues, focused on, we need a shutdown fight January 19th. No funding until two things. Until everyone is turned back at the border and until red states are unleashed to deport and enforce. And I want to make something very clear here. You, you know, because for a lot of people that think, oh, we have to wait until we have a Republican president, which is unlikely to happen at this point, and even if it would, like we're going to discuss coming up, that the Trump is not exactly... Um, Focused on our issues. He's focused on his issues. As he always was and always will be. Will just. Degenerate as he gets older. But. People forget. That buttressing. Potential Republican or House Republican leverage. Over the budget. Particularly over immigration. Over the invasion. Are the red states. See. Here's how it would work. And I know it's not going to happen, but I got to lay down that marker because I want you to know if everyone who wields influence, like if Tucker, something that rhymes with Tucker, rather than focusing on UFOs and how much he hates Israel for some reason, but then you could focus on other foreign theaters. If he would focus on the issues that matter in the way and the way they matter, oh, he'll say, "Yeah, we need to focus on the border." But yeah, I, I could tune into Fox News too, and it's like, "Oh, the Democrats are terrible." But uh, what are they thinking? Biden's gonna get crushed. Oh, and look at the border. But stop with look at the border. It needs to be directed in the way it matters at the time. Timing. Timing is everything. We're out of time. The time it matters, and that is right now. They reconvene this week. Okay, stop taking another week off. They get in and they pass a budget. And at this point, we're late in the fiscal year. Stop with the individual appropriation bills. They're not going to pass that. Okay, it's not going to happen. So it's not a matter of the process. Stop with process. It's outcomes. Policy outcomes. We have a number of issues. But the most apparent one, most imminent one, and the most politically auspicious one, I would say, that the public understands, is the border. How much you want to add in red lines with defunding Hamas and the Palestinians, defunding the Green New Deal, the training stuff, we could talk about that. The spending levels, there's a lot there. You need to come to an agreement on that. But first and foremost, there are two things. You would defund, prohibit all, catch and release, everyone has to be turned back. That provision would be put in the bill, the only bill... That the House passes. Remember, the Senate and the White House need the House to affirmatively keep government running past, you know, two and a half weeks from now. Okay? They need House Republicans. So you say, this is our budget. Here's what we're putting in it. No catch and release. And number two, making it clear, affirming the right of a state. To enforce laws against illegal aliens, that means cutting off bennies. That means arresting people for not just doing other crimes, but for violation violating immigration law. So it's a state crime to be here, be in a state illegally. That the feds didn't let you in. Up until and including deport, deportation, and you would stay on that, and. Every bit of conservative media that's like, look at the Biden administration, look at the invasion, they were forward looking with a focus on this is what Republicans must do. This is their only leverage point. We cannot wait. Notice I'm hitting the ground running this new year. I'm not even talking about, oh my gosh, we're going to die if you don't support DeSantis. I mean, we, we have two weeks left till Iowa, and we'll get to that. There's only a piece of the puzzle. If we would do this, the presidential election would become moot. And then here's the other piece of the equation. Concurrent with the fight at a federal level, you have states that drive the narrative that multiple states, you have 22 Republican states. Again, I have to verify exactly when each of them, some come into session February. You know, a couple of them are only every other year and not in this year like Texas, but they already passed something that you pass a mixture of what Texas and Florida have passed, where every state one after another, but even more, no K through twelve education, no employment, mandatory verify, you can be arrested just for being here illegally. If we have groups or busloads coming in, we're going to bust them out, and the right to deport, and also every state declares an invasion. We need we need to have that effect because, again. They're going everywhere. We're talking about millions of people. It's not just Texas or just Chicago and New York City or LA. It's everywhere. Every state needs to declare an invasion. A lot of people think that it can only apply to Texas. It's not true. They're they're going everywhere. The invaders are going everywhere. If you believe it's an invasion at the Texas border, so then it's an invasion for everyone. And you treat it as such. And you have... The synergistic force of GOP House messaging, conservative media messaging, and the entirety of Republican governors and state legislatures saying, this is an invasion, we cannot go on like this, it will stop. I know you'll laugh at me, they'll never do it, but I want to lay the marker down. I want you to think about that, what the country would look like. And again, you know, while on the ground electorally, Republicans are screwed, but on that issue the public would side with us. That's what we would do in a perfect world. Yet we have no focus. It's all Trump, Hunter Biden, and, and that's where we are. And make no mistake about it, we can't wait another year. Since August, every month, each month, there have officially been more people arriving in this country than there are children born to American mothers. And by the way, that statistic includes a good number that are recent arrivals themselves from crap stands that don't really share our values. <laughs> Whatever, that's another story. Just the inverse in birth rates, even among those already here. But that includes anyone here. Probably includes illegal aliens too in that group. Because they're deemed as you know having an American-born kid. You can't survive that way. Either we believe our talking points or we don't. You know, I was out at Patriot Academy, our friends there. Um, really an honor to meet some of you for our uh, December trip, four-day handgun defense training, beautiful weather. Um, and we're gonna do this again. You can go to Patriotacademy.com/slash Daniel. Uh, There's a number of other trips throughout the winter and spring up until, you know, when it gets really hot. We will be I don't know exactly when I'm hoping maybe April to get out again. But, you know, don't wait for me. Uh, We also hope uh, hope to get Steve Dace out later in the year, more towards the end of the year. We'll put on a big event there. But anyway, um, I don't own cable news. I don't watch this stuff. But I was in the hotel and I started watching it, and, and it just made me so depressed because I realized what our people are being exposed to. It's just mindless. Haha, what is Biden thinking? He's going to get crushed. Like, no, 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 we're getting crushed. Oh, and then look at the border. But stop focusing on the issues in the abstract. Focus on them in the way they actually matter. If you believe it's an invasion, then why are we not demanding that Republicans use the power they have at a federal level and in all these states to do something about it? If you talk around an issue, nothing will happen. For all those who think, oh, I'm just a talk show host. No, you're not. You can't get up there and speak an existential language and then not use your pulpit to do something about it. Kind of like with pastors in churches. You need to get involved. You need to preach from the pulpit the way the left does. You know, Los Angeles is now looking to have illegal aliens become police officers. They're dead serious about the replacement. What are we going to do about it? And, you know, it's hard to go through all the news we missed. But the amount of crazy things going on in blue America are mind-blowing. The anarcho-tyranny. All that starts there and comes everywhere. We need to ascertain how we use the power of the majority of the people who agree with with us in the areas of the country where they still do to erect barriers, to build Nehemiah's wall, or to build Noah's Ark, and make that a political kill zone perimeter. That nothing that is on the anarchy side or the tyranny side gets through. Any policy we see, any personnel problems we see from a Republican governor, and a Republican administration, and and Republican legislature, it doesn't happen here. And and, and for our purposes, we're going to continue. Go to conaction.network if you want to sign up for one of our red state teams. We have that. Um, but I just want to close the loop on the first part of the show today with the budget fight, okay? So just so you know now, Republicans screwed us and they did it in a stupid way, but doesn't matter. You got to fight anyway. so they they basically have government expiring in layers, okay? So they have January nineteenth, it's agriculture, energy, water, military construction, VA. Transportation and HUD run out, and then everything else runs out two weeks later on Friday, February second. So now they, they did it a stupid way because they put the VA expiring first. So that's gonna like the whole point is to isolate the stuff we wanna fight. Like so you have DOJ and DHS expire first, and then you have the fight on that. Instead they have the VA expiring first, which is stupid politically but, you know, and that, that's that's Republicans for you, and that's why we fought against it last time, but we didn't have enough of a movement focusing on the issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter, and if you're a new listener for this year, just in 20 minutes, <laughs> you could see how this is a very different show than what you're used to. Let's go down the line, just a couple couple of things here. Um. You know, Lauren Boebert, Announced she's not running in her Republican-leaning district, can no longer hold it, is running in a different district in Colorado. Again, that's just another data point. Now, you might say she has an image problem there, but I'm just telling you, in a 50-50 year, a Republican running for Congress wouldn't feel they're going to lose that district, much less what the polling supposedly tells us that this is 1984. No, my friends. The environment on the ground, unless we change it for a general election, is not 1984. It's more like 1974, 1976. It's the Watergate era. It's bad. Now, as far as the presidential election is concerned, I I, I want to make it very clear. I don't give false hope. I could swear to you the polls are wrong in the general election because we have incontrovertible proof on the ground that it's not true. Are the polls right regarding the primaries? I don't know. I could hear either way. You know, believe me, I've lived through my whole career. The good guys getting 20-30% and the incumbent, you know, big establishment name always winning. So maybe that will happen. I don't know. And and, and we'll find out. It's very soon. We'll find out. But I, I just want to make a couple couple of notes here on the presidential election. None of what we're doing, none of our branding hinges on any one person winning. The focus on local, the focus on the legislatures, the focus on making red areas red, using the power you have, that is true no matter what. But here's the problem, folks. The DeSantis Trump divide reflects that. See, you could theoretically support Trump and support everything I'm doing, but in the, in, the, in the practical world, it doesn't work out that way, because it's all about the razzle-dazzle. You know, DeSantis was speaking recently at uh, an Iowa event, and he said something very interesting. I'm just going to quote here. I don't have the video. We had all these hopes, and his first full day in office, you know, we, we just came out of eight years of Obama. What did he spend his time on? He was arguing with the media about the crowd size at, at his inauguration. We don't have time for these side issues. We have to use every minute at our disposal to be able to advance the cause to change the country and get us on a better path. Trump was wasting our time. We don't have time for this. We don't have time to get mooned. That's the theme today. It's all about time. Stop with the freaking distractions. If you really believe in the existential nature of the border invasion and the 50 other things they're doing to us and the anarcho-tyranny, persecution, the inflation, the taking away our quality of life with the green energy fascism, the cultural problems we have from the tranny stuff where a quarter of our youth think that they're an alphabet soup freak and from that to Hamas sympathizers in the millions in this country, we don't have any time to waste. People forget, aside from the fact that he can't win, even if he did, people forget what we went through over those four years. It's always about this. See, part of the problem is that Trump was sandwiched between eight years of Obama and now Biden. So these were the most radical administrations ever. So yeah, obviously, relative to that, if you put a gun to my head and say, hey, I have the ability, a genie in a bottle to swap out Biden and get Trump in right now. Yeah, we'd all agree to that. But we have a choice. It doesn't have to be that way. And we lived through this. We worked so hard. Like, Trump, come on, get on message. We, and we would have his back. So Trump would float an idea that, you know, was something we agreed with and we're pushing for. And we, we, we would mobilize, get all into it. And then he would pull the rug out from us. He would pull the rug out from us at the most critical juncture. And this happened again and again and again and again. Every time we had this on immigration, other things, he'd float an idea. And then suddenly he would say the opposite, or he would articulate in in, in a way that would validate the left's talking points. He either inarticulately messaging the right's position or he'd turn left. Like say, like, Yeah, the dreamers. We're like, I'll I'll take care of the dreamers. So one of the big stories a couple days ago, out of nowhere, Trump comes out. so 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 what's the big issue of the Trump movement? It's funny. You have this like Trump movement that has arisen around him, and they each feed off of each other's messaging. All the while, the man himself is wearing no clothes. They're projecting upon this man something that doesn't exist and frankly never existed. Okay? He's not... You know, a Niall Farage. He's not a Gert Wilders. He's an empty vessel. I'm sorry. So... We don't care about holding him accountable on COVID. We don't care about any of that. We don't care about the budget. We don't care about all the things he did. Deported fewer people than Obama. But the one thing is the FBI and the federal persecutions. And yeah, Trump's going to come in. Out of nowhere, he puts out like, the you know, like out of nowhere, he drops these psychotic things on his, you know, queer uh, social media platform he has there. What is it, the true social? And he puts out on December 30th, the FBI headquarters should not be moved to a faraway location, but should stay right where it is in a new and spectacular building in the best location in our now crime ridden and filthy, dirty, graffiti scarred capital. They should be involved in bringing back DC, not running away from it, especially the violent crime. An important part of my platform for present is to bring back, restore and rebuild Washington, DC into the crown jewel of our nation. We will make it crime free and great again. The FBI should not be fleeing for safer yet more or less convenient environs. It should make where they are the safest place on earth. Don't move the FBI. So after his movement spent forever focusing on that, and you know, the Rhinos voting against it and the conservatives voting for it, he just pulls the rug out. So some, you know, a couple did mildly rebuke him. Others are like, no, this 3D chess, that's it's really brilliant. The point is, there's nothing going on there. He will continue to do it, even on the issues that you would think he'd want revenge on. How do I know? Because he did that all the time. The left would crush him, and he would agree to them. He'd bring them in. I mean, the left destroyed him, and he spent the final three months of the trifecta in the fall of 2018 not pushing flooring the gas pedal on all the things we wanted to do, but passing the first step act with the very people that were stabbing him in the back at that moment. It, ju- it just doesn't make any sense. I don't, I don't get it. But it is what it is. That's, that's what he did. Don't shoot the messenger. And that's what he's going to continue to do if you bring him back then you have um where is this you have right after that trying to find the quote here cuz i don't want to misquote it but right after he did that the day the day after posting about the new FBI headquarters, he promoted the idea of wanting to use the Insurrection Act against his own supporters on January 6th, right? It's just weird, like, wait, what? But that that's what Trump does. Trump often... Rather than busting the narrative, he'll want to beat the narrative. Oh, vaccines, that's where it's at. I'll do it better than you. Oh, dreamers, I'm really into the dreamers. No, 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 don't accuse me of that. Oh, um, ventilators, I'll ventilate. A couple months ago, you had a reporter was like, did you say that you would send the military down to um kill the cartels? Oh, no, I never said that. And by the way, he did, and he was right to say it, but then he backs down. We lived this for four years of his presidency. Even now, on the hardcore issues that he himself should be the most lit about, that his supporters are, and he's running, he could do this. And this is emblematic that he could shoot his supporters on Fifth Avenue in broad daylight and he will not lose support. But what does that say about our people? We can't be like this. What does that say that he doesn't even feel he needs to compete for our vote? That my colleagues excuse him for not debating, for not campaigning in Iowa, for literally sitting there in Mar-lago. You know, you saw this dichotomy with DeSantis with his wife and kids on New Year's, celebrating in class and, you know, barn burning all over Iowa to to to, to sell his vision while Trump just sits there in Mar-a-Lago with scantily clad women around him and, of course, his wife nowhere in sight. Boy, is that imagery right there. Is that a dichotomy right there. And what is so frustrating about this Trump versus DeSantis dichotomy is that they both have records. We don't need to rely on rhetoric. Like, I could understand. If we don't know who they are, and we just hear maybe DeSantis' tone, his voice, his whatever. All right, sounds like a nice guy, moral guy. Personally, very conservative. But, you know, I don't know. Does he have the kind of moxie of what we need today? And Trump has these bombastic things. that you have to ignore because his rhetoric is hypocritical. But let's say you just take the best part. But we have records. Literally, in the very... Things that we need to accomplish. Trump screwed us. And in part, we are in the position we're in today because of that. And DeSantis has unrewarded and unrecognized excellence. I don't know if you've seen this. Oh, j- just over the um, break, conservative media won't cover this. But things that we've been pining for for generations, not just, oh, I did a conservative thing as governor. I did this. But long-term force-multiplying policies that deracinate the power sources of the left. See, it's not just you have, a, a you know, 50% Republicans, 50% Democrats. No, no, no. Democrats harness what they've done over the years at a state and federal level is they use NGOs. I have a column out, you know, a couple days ago, you could, you know, go to The Blaze and Look at my columns and, you know, please subscribe. It's it's just a couple dollars a year. We we have made it a um, subscription. It's literally a couple dollars a year. It's nothing um, because that's the only way to be free of media censorship. Uh, But by the way, this show is always, you know, you're always going to get it not behind a paywall. Um, But I digress. Anyway, we have the NGOs working with the border invasion. But you have the NGOs. What the left does is they fund programs. They fund their operations. Whether it's through HUD, whether it's through education, so their get out the vote uh, effort, their cultural dependency that they create, all their programs, their cultural subversion—they don't just do it. They <laughs> they have us pay for the rope to hang ourselves with. And one of the biggest areas where they do this is with um with the teachers unions, right? We all know it's it's a it's a two for one. A they cement to the get out the vote effort, but B, they change the future. They sh- they mold the minds of the kids. So it's the corruption, it's the grift, but it's also the culture. So there was news, so um, la- last May, the uh, Governor DeSantis signed SB-256. Now he's done tons of education reforms, I can't even list all of them. But it requires that all public employee unions receive 60% support from membership, or face a decertification vote. And and it had a bunch of things. So it also allowed members to reject automatic deduction of membership dues from their paychecks. And, And it did a few other things. So basically, it was designed very carefully to say, hey guys, do you want your full paycheck? Well, now you can have it. No automatic deductions. You have to opt in. It's not just that you can opt out, you have to opt in. So obviously, a lot of people opted, didn't opt in. So guess what happened? The Miami-Dade Teachers Union, this, I've seen different figures. Some say the second largest, third largest in the country. It's the largest in Florida, and perhaps the second largest in the entire country. It may not cease to, it, it may no longer exist. They saw they couldn't get 60%, and after failing in court to get the law enjoined, the Dade County, whatever, you know, uh, United Teachers of Dade, they worked to bus in people, they flew in people, they offered $100 gift cards, and they couldn't get it. They also eliminated the substitute teachers from bargaining unit in order to lower the number of teachers needed to meet the threshold. They couldn't get it. So now they are decertified and they have to recertify. Now, to recertify, you need 51% and they might get it. Maybe not. This might give momentum. They might even not be able to get 51%. But then no matter what, every year at the end, they still face a decertification vote. So in the long run, they're dead. You cannot imagine the long-term effects of this. And then he did something else. One of the things that DeSantis has been doing is parallel economies. So, like, for example, we talked about um, putting a parallel a competitor to the SAT on par with it, more of a classical Christian homeschooling. I forget the name of it. Um, we talked about this last year. And then University of Florida has to accept it. So they now what they did is they and this is a beautiful um manifestation of using power to to get a desired result. So while the the incumbent unions need to face a 60% threshold and then 51% recertification, but then face the 60% wall again. It artfully allows new competitors that want to start their own teachers associations and there are new ones starting in Florida to get the ballot with to get on the ballot with signatures from just 10%. So the current unions need 30% signatures to get a ballot and then you have to win the vote. They could get on the ballot the new ones could get on with 10% and that's only fair because if you have inveterate entrenched entities in government that have used the boot of government for so many years to advance their agenda, you're going to have to tip the scales back to c- competition. This is true of healthcare, it's true of law, it's true of a lot of things that need to be done. And now they might no longer cease to exist. This is not like, okay, some conservative rural county. This is the Miami-Dade Teachers Union might not exist. That, my friends, is owning the libs. That, my friends, is unrecognized unappreciated, unrewarded excellence that my colleagues refuse to to, to see. And again, this is not a scorecard. It's not about DeSantis. Oh, you know, bash him, praise him. It's about the fact that we need to appreciate this, demand even more, more from DeSantis, more in Florida, and that every other state get up to par with that on every other issue. I could go on and on about many other things. This is a whole thing with he rejected federal welfare funding, EBT's, summer lunch programs. I'll write about that tomorrow. But, um... Folks, this is where it's at. Take yes for an answer. Y- you know, another thing that I think we didn't talk about, it happened right after we went off for the year. The Trump campaign is actively pondering picking Nikki Haley as the VP. So all the Trump movement, they get together, Nikki Haley is the embodiment of everything we hate. And then the Trump campaign entertains it. Lara Trump, as well as Jason Miller, these are two senior people, openly entertain it on cable news. Trump refuses to denounce it and rule it out as DeSantis has says that you would never pick her. And it's all fine. Like, at least you use your clout. Use your clout and influence to say no. They won't do it. Do you understand how destructive that is? All right, fine, you got me. Trump's gonna win, okay. But at least, see, if, if we both agreed... You're to the right, I'm to the right, we share the same values, you for whatever reason think Trump's the best, I think DeSantis is, fine. I would love to know that on the other side of this, we could shake on it, that we know that we will use our respective influence with our candidate, whoever comes out on top, to move him to the positions that we all say we believe in. But it never happens. You know, my colleague Alex Stein had on Tucker Carlson, uh, you know, the last week or whatever. And he asked him if anyone would be held accountable for COVID vaccine. And Tucker said he has a close friend who had a heart attack from the vaccine. But he didn't mention a word about Trump. Then again, when something that rhymes with Tucker interviewed Trump a day after he said, years later, this thing saved millions. And I made no mistakes to regret nothing with COVID. Wouldn't even broach the topic specifically or generally in any way. That is so dangerous. That's dangerous for a guy. Of DeSantis's stature. That has values. And has principles. And is up on the issues. And is committed to fighting with them. You never want to let him go. You know anytime we feel like. yeah, You know you got to get stronger on this. We voice it. We voice it. I could promise you that. You know if DeSantis were ever entertaining. I don't know to pick. A Nikki Haley type of person. You better believe. It. you're like, What the hell. Hey it's. You know, that that ain't getting off the ground. But this is where we're at. It's a big, 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 big problem. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. And again, it should bother you that Trump doesn't even feel he needs to vie for our support. You might think, well, he's way ahead. He doesn't need our vote. But that in itself is a problem. He doesn't feel he needs to earn our support. You know, people forget. And and again, this is how he is. You're never going to get a better Trump than in a primary campaign. Then there's general. Then there's, more importantly, actually governing. Again, on some miracle chance you can get to that point. People forget what happened. You know, I'm going to play here. I want to play. It's two minutes, but it's worth listening to. Congressman Massey was out campaigning for DeSantis in New Hampshire. And he gave over to the people the private conversation he had with Trump during the CARES Act and the amount of passion that was in Trump's voice um, when Massey. Was opposing the CARES Act, the worst piece of legislation. J- just, just know the stolen election, the and 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 then it's not just one election; it's permanent because because we're facing it now with this um, mail-in juggernaut. It's still there. They permanently changed American elections. The COVID fascism and the death, everything that fl- that 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 flowed from there, and the inflation is all from that. This alone should be disqualifying, but it's actually emblematic of something broader. Let's take a listen to Congressman Massey right here.
0: He was the president at the time. He was mad at me when I opposed the CARES Act. I was on the floor of the House of Representatives getting ready to demand a recorded vote. He called me three times. I let it go to voicemail three times. Then somebody tapped me on the shoulder. You need to call President Trump back. So I went out to call him back right when I was opposing the CARES Act, and he said, I'm coming at you like you've never seen. (laughs) Never in your life before. Have you seen the way in which I will come at you? I'm more popular than you in Kentucky, and you know it. I'm back in your primary opponent, and you're going to lose. All because all I wanted was a recorded vote on the worst bill in history that he was supporting. By the way, that bill had $400 million to fund absentee elections. Basically signing, I don't think he read it. He signed his own demise when he signed that bill. And he came after me for having the audacity just to say we should show up for work and go on record and vote on this thing in person. Now... By the way, I went on to get 81% of the vote in my primary six weeks later. So, But where were the other candidates who were running for president? Okay, You had one candidate who was supporting all the bad policy. And you had another candidate, I'm not going to name names, who was trying to make money off of this. Selling data and collecting information on, on people and pharmaceuticals. I'm not for that candidate, that's for sure. And so you had candidates all in this election who were either a wall, or trying to make money off of it or doing the wrong thing, except for Ron DeSantis. He did the right thing, just like he always does, and that's why I'm supporting him
1: 100% for president. I give you Governor Ron DeSantis. Okay, folks. So that, that was amazing. By the way, Thomas is great with uh – uh um, <laughs> with Im- impersonations. He-, he told me that before, privately. But Trump signs his own demise. By the way, he also mentions Vivek uh, Ramaswampi. He doesn't mention him by name, but about the guy that was totally bought in and was actually trying to uh, monetize it. He was advising Mike DeWine. By the way, you saw that with Mike DeWine vetoing the bills to end castration and men and female sports. How's that for a red state? Oh, whoops. Donald Trump endorsed DeWine at a critical juncture, and we did have challengers to him again and again and again and again. It's not just one example. He was always like this. Trump never had the passion to defeat the Rhinos like he did against Thomas Massey. Why do we all forget? There's nothing new. From what I'm telling you now. Just because I happen to know DeSantis. And he happens to be running. I said all of this throughout his entire four years. We tried. We prodded. We pushed. Is this really what we're going to invest ourselves in? And again. I'm not saying. Oh. Let's do DeSantis just opposite. Just it's all a matter of January 15th. And if somehow DeSantis wins the caucus. And he wins the nomination. We'll all be good. We don't have time. We need the focus on down-the-ballot primaries now. We need the focus on the budget battle now. And we need the focus on the state legislative sessions and even counties. Red counties are always in session. Most of them, the county governments, are in session longer, ironically, than state legislatures. There's a lot you could be doing. Any batch of illegals that come into our county, we're going to bust them out. There is so much going on. Man, I barely scraped the surface. I wanted to go down our red state agenda, some crime stuff. We'll talk about, um, you know, later in the week we're gonna get to our agenda of what it is we want to do. What are what are our top bills that we want to replicate in every state legislature? But another big story that has been going on throughout the last couple of weeks as we've been gone, every Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year celebration has been interrupted by the pro-Hamas animals that we let in the country. So you're finding some of them are violent. Some of them, even if they're not fully violent, but they what they're doing now is they're blocking bridges. They're also blocking the main arteries to airports to purposely screw people up. So JFK in New York, LAX in LA. This is becoming a big, big trend. And a, a, a couple things. First of all, it's not like these people are kind of like the brainwashed like oh the Israeli occupation stuff. These guys are waving Hamas flags. Like they again, it's not just geopolitically they're ignorant about the history of Israel and you know the land there and and they think that there was something called an Arab Palestine state that, would, that was there. It's they downright support what Hamas did on October 7th and want more of it. And it's not a handful of people. The overwhelming, let let me say this very clear. We have several million Muslims we have now in this country predominantly brought in this generation. Maybe now two generations. And the overwhelming majority agree with that and support that. Hate our values and will be subversive forces. What you're seeing in America is that we are reaching a tipping point. We talked about this a little bit last year. When you have subversive demographics that are in a country, they wait, they fester, they're quiet until they feel they reach critical mass, and then their top NGOs that that work, you know, work their agenda, like the Council on American Islamic Relations, the top Muslim Brotherhood organization, they, they 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 come out in full force. Like in Europe. And that's what we're seeing now. So one of the big action items that we need is we have to make sure, like LA New York, Chicago, they're gone. They're gone, and we know that. They're gone even without that, even if you, without the Islamists. But we have to make sure this cancer doesn't spread, and it will. You have tons of these guys in Texas, tons of these people in Nashville, tons of these people in greater Atlanta. We have to make sure There needs to be a five-year mandatory minimum sentence for anyone caught blocking a roadway. Now, by the way, I'm big into civil disobedience, and that's something I think we're going to need to utilize. But that's not screwing up other people's lives. That's refusing to cooperate with government tyranny. That's not you screw your fellow citizen. There should never be a time when you need to do that to other people. We need immediately, every state needs a law, A, you could run them over, a clear green light to run them over, and B, five-year mandatory minimum prison sentence for any individual caught blocking a road. And if that, if there's 500 people on that road, that's 500 people. We need to cut this out before before it spreads, because right now there's no deterrent. So again, oh, Daniel, but but we didn't win the presidential election. No, 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 no. There are 50% of the states, you have super majority trifectas. I want to see, and let's work on this. Let's get someone to introduce a bill like that. Now, in Florida's anti-rioting bill, it kind of covers this. It's not a five-year. It upgrades it from a misdemeanor to a felony if it's in the context of a riot. So I don't know if you define all these as riots. It does allow people to run over. Um, I think we can make that even stronger, but we certainly need other states to have the Florida bill. But the point is, there is so much. We just scraped the surface today. I have like two weeks' worth. I'm just chomping at the bit. I miss you guys. I miss the, uh, you know, interaction. You could email me at Herowitz at startmail.com. Herowitz at startmail.com is my email. Um, my Twitter is at armconservative. We're, we're going to have our columns up at The Blaze. Again, just couple... You know, just do it for me. If you don't appreciate anyone else at the blaze, do it for me. Um, you know, because the only way to get around the censorship, especially my columns on the vaccines and things like that. So we're going to go through the anarcho-tyranny stories, how we protect ourselves from anarcho-tyranny in red states, a legislative agenda in red states. We're going to talk about the budget fight coming up. Don't just talk about the border in the abstract. Talk about it in the way it matters, the time it matters. Presidential primary, the congressional primaries, (laughs) believe me, folks, for those that actually have an affirmative agenda and beliefs, it is a busy time, because we're behind in the count, and we've always been, and we don't have time for levity. But yeah, you know, as my colleagues who earn millions of dollars mosey on back in, you know, I worked the whole time, by the way, you know, less intensity, but, you know, I put out some columns, I've been doing research, preparing. I had a great meeting with uh, my uh, all of our team leaders. So again, I don't have in every red state, but sign up if you're from a red state. We have Louisiana, we have Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, um, we have South Carolina, we have Wyoming, we have North Dakota, um, we have Iowa, we have Indiana. I'm missing a couple here and there. I can't think off the top of my head. The worst thing is to try to give a list. But those are just some of the states we're working in, and we're going to try to expand it. We do have Texas up now. I know we have a lot of people from Texas. Again, all the things that your red state is doing, we'll talk a little bit more tomorrow or later later this week about it. Your governor, your executive agencies, your legislature that are bad, that need to be corrected. Good bills that we could introduce or that have already been introduced that we need to light a fire under. ConAction.network. This is not just a show. It's not just entertainment, not just commentary. This is a movement. Welcome to a new year. Let's pray to God that He blesses our actions. We could do this together. You'd be shocked at what a few people can do in a red state to turn it truly red. We are out of time. The time to floor the gas pedal on the issues that matter and the way they matter is now. Welcome back, folks. God bless y'all. Thank you for listening again. And we'll see you back here bright and early.